Greetings program, hello, and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 88. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my dependable, dapper, and lugubrious guest co-host, Sean German. Welcome, Sean. Oh, thank you very much. Welcome to me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to be on like, the show. <laughs> like when a... a, a usher at a movie theater is like enjoy the movie and you're like hey you too you too <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh no why don't you uh, uh tell us uh tell us a little bit about yourself there uh sure well I'm a, I'm a podcaster i'm also in the movies by minutes community like you are duncan uh folks may know me from uh spinal tap minute where i covered the movie this is spinal tap one minute at a time and groundhog minute where i covered That's groundhog right. day um, That's well, right. With my buddy Dave Palace, and I'm here to I'm here to talk about Tron one minute at a time. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, we've talked a little bit about the Groundhog Day minute because you guys sort of changed your minds a little bit as you as you delve deeper and deeper into it. I remember there was a, a feeling that uh, oh, what's his face's character, the blonde guy, the cameraman, Chris Elliott, oh, Larry, yeah, yeah, that you kind of you feel they did Larry a deep disservice in the last five minutes of the film that uh, they they did a turnaround on his character that was really <laughs> not liked because it was like you know well yeah <laughs> I mean he's 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 a bit of a foil like he's obviously the the star of the movie is Bill Murray yeah and you know it's it's Phil and then Rita's kind of his focus the love interest and Larry's kind of just there I guess comic relief but then at the end all of a sudden Larry turns into like this enormous creep with a rape fan. It's like, well, yeah, no. suddenly he's oh, like, oh, poor Larry. He's like dangerous instead of just quirky, you know. And, <coughs> and that's kind yeah, of what suddenly, I suddenly like, you know, luring unsuspecting locals into. into <laughs> you ever oh, see man. the inside of a news van? <laughs> like, I think that, uh, and I was afraid of something like that happening with this kind of, with this level of inspection with a, with a mm-hmm. beloved movie. Right. So that does come up. Do you, yeah, we, um, but we we still love Larry and we love Chris oh yeah. Elliott. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, do you remember the first time since like since it's your first time on the show? Do you remember the first time that you saw Tron? No, and I, I've been thinking about it, listening to the show and following along, and um, it's one of those things. It just seems like it's always been in my life. I don't think I saw it in the theater though. I was kind of around and and young, but old enough to be going to the theater. Yeah, um, but I imagine as soon as it was on home video, because this would be kind of right up my alley of what I was interested in, and, and yeah, um, it certainly sh- shaped my interest in movies and technology going forward. For so, sure, I mean, I've, I've watched this so many times, and I still for for my money in terms of this genre of the virtual reality or going inside a computer, I will take Tron over The Matrix or Virtuos- Virtuosity. Um, oh yeah, Denzel movie was, but you know any any any, any of those. Um, I think Tron it did the first, if not one of the first, and and it did it best. Well, except for Lawnmower Man, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, no, no, not Lawnmower Man. No, uh, you know it reminds me of a movie. There was a movie with Demi Moore and Michael Douglas, and they are in a. It was like a, a sexual harassment movie. Yeah, Disclosure. Disclosure, that was it. But there's this huge VR plot point where they're like <laughs> yeah. de- they're developing this this massive virtual reality internet interface 
And that's where he ends up getting the evidence to mm-hmm. exonerate him from the charges. So there's all these sequences that are like inside a virtual world that I was like, <laughs> what? I was not prepared for this in this movie. This looked like a really uh, sort of by the numbers you know, regular drama or whatever. I didn't expect there to be all this in it. So that yeah, was that's, kind of... that's, that's a fun film. It's like this, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's Demi Moore. It's this sexy work drama. Like you said, there's a, a sexual harassment element, but they flipped it because Demi yeah. Moore's the boss and she's harassing Michael Douglas. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it turns into hackers. Like, what? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're, they're like, I guess they're at a company. They make, they make hard drives and, VR hardware and stuff and that's how it kind of plays in and then yeah. in the end like I don't yeah, I haven't seen it in a while I forget like one of them is I guess well because she's the boss she's like responsible for some issue with manufacturing of the hardware and yeah then she tries to blame it on him and say he well he's claiming sexual harassment to cover up from his inadequacies and it's like not a not a courtroom drama, but it's it's like no. a procedural business espionage, a little bit stuff, and then yeah, all of a sudden it's VR, yeah, <laughs> it's hackers and it's Michael Douglas, you know, yeah, doing As, swiping yeah. things like it's Minority Report, it's kind of weird. Yeah, he's like uh, like Michael Douglas becomes like Flynn, like he's he's going yeah. in trying to undercover, <laughs> he's trying to find the memory that's hidden by the uh, by Demi Moore's MCP inside the, inside the company somewhere. That was pretty cool. And then what was that yeah, other and it, one? Yeah, it, it does it, it. It does not do it as well as this movie. Michael no, Douglas, no. you're no, you're no Jeff Bridges. You're no I'm Jeff sorry. Bridges, Michael Douglas. Sorry yeah. about that. And then there's uh, what do you call it? The Thirteenth Floor, I guess, was another one that was kind of that <laughs> dive into an alternate reality thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Back to Tron. Back to Tron. All right, back All right. to back to a movie we like. Which yeah, back fun. to the movie we like. Yeah. Well, so what happens in this minute? We see the last of the MCP. Sark dies, everyone flees, uh, the MCP housing explodes, and the entire grid lights up with restored power. This is quite quite the minute. This is, I guess, the, the finale, the big finish, uh, the denouement. Well, not the denouement, but the big finish. And uh, So it's a good, good minute to, to get into. Uh, right off the top, we see the last of the MCP shrinking back into the face hole of his archaic weathered concrete guardian housing. Perhaps, as we, we, we theorized in the last minute, that maybe he's gone on an escape route, but most most likely he's going to uh, to death, to the better place oh, he, wherever. Maybe there's an opening for a sequel. He kind maybe. of slips away. You don't yeah. know. He, he slips off into the net somewhere. You know? A renegade MCP is still out there. Big question mark at the end of Flash Gordon. The end? <laughs> That's that's exactly what I was thinking. The Ming's ring with the question. Yeah, mark <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, is there's it just a... my imagination, or is there there's like some teletype sound? Yeah, I guess hinting yeah. at an earlier, more primitive beginnings. Yeah, of like the not MCP. Only, the, yeah. the housing is made of stone, but also it's a similar housing to what was housing uh, Dumont. Only whereas mm-hmm. Dumont's was like bulbous and round and plastic. This guy's is more uh, sphinxy and pyramidal and uh, and and like sands, weathered sandstone, but he's uh, he's yeah he's typing on like a 1930s typewriter, yeah, and so it's like clickety clack clack clackety click 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 clack clack. So that's the uh, sort of ticker tape, uh, teletype kind of the clicking going on. That is very much harkening back to his, I suppose, more primitive origins, I guess you could say, or his more historic origins. Yeah. Which is what, you know, kind of the MCP always, not always said, but he said he, uh, you know, he's kind of an amalgam 
of I guess I guess what what today we'd call a little bit of machine learning. And actually, sure. we saw that in earlier an earlier scene where he's like assimilating all these other programs to take their take their algorithms and their data and make it his own and build on that. And yeah, when that's removed, yeah. then you see in the core the 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 humble beginnings of what became the great MCD. Yeah, and I'm always I'm a little confused because they say they, they mention a couple times that I remember when the MCP was just a chess program, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like. Yeah, but he wasn't created in the 1930s. <laughs> you know, like this typewriter right, yeah. <laughs> is from like, you know, Model T Ford era, right? This is uh this is this is way back in the day. So, I know they're just trying I know it's just, you know, movie language saying it's old. Yeah. It's it's old, mm-hmm. but it's a well, metaphor. <laughs> well, is that like is that like the ultimate in- insult? to a program to like say like you're a chess program <laughs> yeah oh well there's in the in the screenplay they don't they don't it's not in the movie but in the very beginning when the mcp is dressing down uh sark mm-hmm. the mcp is like how would you like to be put into a calculator you know like there's, <laughs> it's like the ultimate threat i'm like i can i can send uh, you off to a calculator right now buddy yeah and, uh, i mean so. this this and it's just another level of of greatness that this movie has. It's got yeah. those wonderful quotable lines, you know. Oh, Who does yeah. he calculate he is? <laughs> Who does he calculate he is? That's one of my favorites for sure. In the background in that scene, you can hear the other prisoners talking. Yeah. And they're like, man, if I don't get some random access soon, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they're like, uh, I, I, I plead, uh, I pled, I pled temporary uh, circuit failure or something yeah. like that. Like they're, <laughs> they're doing all this talking. But yeah. this, uh, it, this, yeah, I would just another general mark of how well this movie has aged, and how like how well it fits in, at least with my attitude. Like I'd like to think my programs are these little beings inside my computer. Yeah, that they're almost like dogs. Like they're just the faithful companion, and they want nothing more than to please me. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even if they don't always act like it, sometimes I do get frustrated. You know, like computer yeah. doesn't always do what I want it to. But no. I'd like to think that at least it's trying to the extent. Sometimes, that, that yeah. These programs sometimes are. computer windows can be like, uh, you know, moths bonking against a glass window, where you're like, you're nope, you're still not, nope, that's not it, you're not doing. But I think yeah. there's like, a, there's, there's a nice insinuation here. Like there is with a lot of villains when he when he just fades into blackness, there's sort of an insinuation here that evil only returns to the shadows and that it never really dies. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's something that I sort of I sort of believe in, in society in general. Like you can't destroy evil once and for all. You can only fight it battle by battle. You know, because I think it was Stephen King who said that monsters are real, ghosts are real too. They live inside us, and sometimes they win. You know, yeah. and that's like. So sort of sort of to fight evil we have to fight ourselves and you know evil can put on some really convincing disguises like the cool thing about the mcp or darth vader or freddy krueger or dolores umbridge is that they're definitely evil right but if you have something evil that convincingly seems good then that's way that's way harder to deal with those are the sort of villains in films that i'm i'm more fascinated with when you get a villain that you're like you know this guy's really cool Wait, whoa! What am I thinking? You know, like you can't, you know that that's uh, that's really good. But the good, yeah, the defeat of the MCP here is a good, clear Disney win, which I really like, and I like, uh, I like it's 
it's it's pretty clear because like to quote John Candy and Joe Flaherty, like the MCP blows up real good. There's <laughs> like a it <laughs> yeah. blowed up real good. So that's uh, yeah. a little a little later in the minute, but yeah. But so I like we uh, we see Sark um, is derazzed just yeah. like other. We and we assume that that's that's all, the ultimate deletion that his yep. memory space has been wiped. Yeah. And we get that great shot with uh, the Jacob's Ladder electricity sparking between mm-hmm. his sort of helmet horns as he sort of sighs and leans back into death and fades away. Which is, And he yeah. turns mostly yellow, which is pretty cool, because that was the original color for the good guys at the inception of the film. So it's like he's having mm-hmm. a, a small bit of redemption, color theory-wise. And, and hacker search programs were yellow like Clue in the beginning of the film. So it's like Sark started out as a hacker search program written by Dillinger that was subsumed and controlled by the MCP. So maybe Sark is the program that Dillinger used to infiltrate Flynn's hidden memory banks in the company computer to steal all of his Mm. video game ideas. But then his final pulse is red, showing that he does does indeed die die evil. But uh, there's something like... I kind of... I'm, I'm, I'm interested into like... Like what was Sark? Like Dillinger, at the beginning of the film, Dillinger says, like, I I wrote you to the MCP, which is plainly, it seems to be plainly a lie, because he didn't. And, and the <laughs> MCP is like, nobody, no, you didn't. Hundreds of people worked on me. This is, I'm not one person's creation. And, uh, but I think m- maybe Sark might have been. Sark might be Dillinger's uh, program that he, well, I mean, he, he is because he looks exactly like mm-hmm. Dillinger, but I think he's been sort of taken and used by the mcp so. yeah i think i i could see um yeah so so dillinger programs sark to sort of search out useful programs or useful bit of code that he could use yeah and then he put that all together to form the mcp there but you go he, but he yeah he didn't uh he didn't write the mcp and he, there's probably very little even early on very little original work that he did what he did is he you know begged borrowed and stole from yeah. other programmers and assembled yeah. it so yeah he's sort of a script kitty not a real hacker yeah for sure that's definitely the impression i get he's uh he's big into taking credit for stuff that he didn't do and just sort of mm-hmm. collaging other people's stuff together yeah well that, that's yeah the whole movie that's the whole movie's about yeah him taking credit for work he didn't do and yeah then, um, you know, one programmer decides to fight back. I love this uh, sort of mad scientist Frankenstein's lab electricity sound effect that he's mm-hmm. uh, as as Sark dies with some of that wonderful hand drawn electricity between the the horns of his of his helmet. He's a great villain. I'm really I was sorry, sad to see him go. And we get that last final blast of that uh, that sweet Frank Seraphine derezzing sound effect that. That was a bad yeah. impression of it, but you know you can hear it. <laughs> Uh, we get a shot of Tron staring that patent and Bruce Boxleitner steely gaze into the now failing MCP with all the flashing lights and noise. And then we cut mm-hmm. to a side shot of the Mesa and the beam coming up from the MCP is sort of like a negative version of the original beam here. It's like black and white instead of blue, like the polarity has been reversed or something like that. One thing I've always kind of wanted to see is like a negative light cycle. You know, like a like a light bike with white beams that glow black, or or leaving a glowing mm. a glowing black trail. If you can picture that, or like that would be super cool. Like uh, that guy's sword in the last episode of The Mandalorian, 
You know, it's kind of glowing with a black light kind of thing. That would yes. Be a, that would yeah. be cool to see. That would be, if they ever did a bad guy in a future Tron installment, that would be a pretty wild way to go, I think. Yeah, so, sort of the black light, but... Yeah. In the next shot, we can see Sark's mostly D-Res cruiser flying at a pretty good clip away from the MCP, but we can also see that the little bridge part is still solid. I guess Flynn left it with enough power that it didn't automatically de-res and send Yori plummeting down to the to the Mesa. And yeah, then he's got to give her enough time to, to get yeah, off and get away. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Yori, here we see Yori standing in that super awesome red and blue vectographic de-res bridge. Like the like a 3D x-ray of the rest of the ship is behind her. It's such a great shot. It's such a good... Like, this is a real... Like there's so many shots in this movie that would make a good desktop, you mm-hmm. know, and, and this is one of them. Just her standing there with this wonderful, this backdrop of all these red and blue lines, and she's just yeah, taking, just the wireframe outline of the, yeah, the ship of the of the Sark's cruiser. She's taking in all the destruction that's happening and trying to come to grips with the fact that she just saw Flynn leap into the volcano and had her first kiss like that's a lot to process the last 30 seconds of her life have been pretty uh, eventful right yeah she's she's had a, a busy day to say yes the least. yes yeah. a busy and day we'll, we'll, yeah i mean we get into it well there's a little bit more on that on that kiss yeah um next minute but yeah so we see the i think it's interesting to see the evolution of the characters of yeah. the of the programs particularly you know Yuri and Tron the the, char- the the programs that interact with Flynn yeah um while he's in their world and the kind of the way he changes cuz there was there was some emotion to begin with um you know it didn't seem romantic but we saw like when they were um when Flynn is first uh gets inside and he, he's like going to the game grid yeah, and he's kind of in the the holding cell, like the area where they're waiting to get thrown into the games. And there's some camaraderie, like, oh, you're, you know, you're new here, you're disoriented, but you'll do okay. You know, they're 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 not strictly just logical, yeah, structures. They have some emotion, but but that that there's a I guess there's that line that they can be comrades, they can be friends, yeah. But then like this romantic emotion that this is new to them. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely new to them. There was a deleted scene where Yori and Tron uh, hook up in Yori's apartment. <laughs> and uh, they deleted that. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. You can find it on YouTube. It's a, it's mm. a, it's a wonderful scene because yeah. she changes costume. She changes into a whole other person. And there's a bit in the screenplay where during the kiss that they share earlier, she changes back into that, that person. She changes back into that costume and... Uh, and so they they cut all of that, which is which is you know very effort intensive, and it was very complicated mm. because then you're like, well, if they can get together, then well, then what's happening in this world, you know? So it's kind of cool that it's the user that brings, uh, you know, this Earth thing you call kissing like to the to the grid or whatever, right? So yeah, yeah. so but it's also a real like <laughs> like Tron. You know, this is like when they sent Hugh back to the Borg with independent thought, you know, mm-hmm. and the Borg shut down because for the first time in history, some of them wanted to go left and some of them wanted to go right. And they had no way to deal with that 
situation. So they all just shut down as they all became independent. And so I'm wondering like the fallout of what Flynn has left in the computer, right? Because like they've, they've created like a, like, I don't want to say like a slave race, but they've created like the, the programs are supposed to do your bidding. Mm-hmm. But now maybe they'll say, no, I'm busy. But now maybe they'll say, I'm not into it right now. You know, and then if programs can <laughs> fall in love and if programs have hope, you know, can program, can a bunch of programs go on strike for better treatment? Like, it's like, where, what have you done, Flynn? Like, you've introduced all this stuff into a, into a computer architecture. Free will, basically. Free will and hope you've introduced into, a, and kissing. So, mm-hmm. and they move at a much faster clip inside the grid. So, I imagine that, like, you know, a day to us is like three years to them. So, a week from now, a few centuries have gone by and the whole system architecture is going to be, shot is going to be it's going to be chaos it's going to be like a regular society in there with no order so yeah there's there's some some dicey moral and and ethical mm. questions that we face it's yeah um, yeah you know is it are our are, are program slaves if they're doing what they want to do and it's like well no if they're you know voluntarily serving us that's not slavery but it's like yeah we program them to want to serve us that's not real free will no yeah yeah, we, we programmed to... them to be super into it, so it's like, well, yeah, I get. Well, it's it, they're you know like dogs, like you know dogs yeah. love people. Puppies instinctually will look people in the eye, and they follow people, and they love people. So it's not you know our, they're our pets. They're not our slaves. They're members of our family. But it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. But we we bred them over hundreds of generations. <laughs> yeah. we, you know, they they've been genetically designed and bred to love us. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's if different. we, you know, I guess, it, I guess, if if a dog had free will, it'd be a cat, basically. Exactly. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so we get this bird's eye view, I assume, of you of Yori's of the MCP mm-hmm. going away from the camera, and we can see the housing on the MCP turning red and then blue, like a like a character in a Looney Tunes cartoon who just drank some vile concoction at the the, the Wild West bar or something. There's a real, there's a really clear shot of the pattern on the ground around the bottom of Mm -hmm. the MCP. And it's not all, it's not all straight lines, which is cool. I mean, it's not just all like a broken plate either. There's a, there is a pattern to it, but there's lots of uh, curves kind of going towards the MCP and then back out all these arcs. It's like something you'd get out of a, uh, what were those toys called? A spirograph? Or something oh, right, where yeah, you like, you know, that kind of thing where you get a, a curved pattern, but it was a really complicated curved pattern. So it's kind of like, yeah, like that, or like you've dribbled paint on a on a record and spun it real fast and something. Well, like I that. like the bits that almost like the chambers of a revolver that have been spinning around the I/O tower. Oh, sure. Um, I, I, you know, and I imagine that was some sort of additional logic that the MCP had put on the tower so it could control. All communication. So, it, you know, there's here's this choke point. Yeah. That's controlling input and output. Yeah. And without the MCP actively controlling it, it, it spins and it reconfigures and then it, it explodes. It just spins out of control. Yeah. And yeah. now in, in the IO tower is free and that's when the blue light spreads. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's had, yeah, he's, he's the cap. He's the cap on top of the volcano or whatever. Just holding yeah. it all back and controlling it all and now it's and just... it's and it's so that the the change of color is so simple but yeah. it's so smart that we the audience like we instantly know what that means just oh all these the lines of communication the energy beams 
they go from red to blue. Oh, that's from from bad to good. There you go. Yeah, the, yeah. The land is free again. Like I'm Just not that a simple color change. I'm not entirely sure if we get exactly exactly what's happening, but the color theory is like, oh, something good is happening. Yeah, you know. Well, right? all through the film, uh, Yuri and Tron and Flynn have been blue, and the bad guys were yeah. red. Yeah, so you're like, uh, oh, like good. That. They're all they're all all the all the all they're they're good now. So that's uh, that's cool. You, you you get the impression that they've wrested control away from the MCP and that that's good. But there's still some specifics I think that are. I think a lot of people are like. Well, I, I, I it certainly seems like they won. <laughs> you know, like I think there might have been some yeah. viewers at that point. But we get a we get a shot from inside as Tron herds the older guardian programs out the front door of the MCP's housing saying, Come on, let's go, go, let's go. <laughs> and these let's guardians go. these guardians are all pretty fit. They're jogging along at a pretty good clip. They've recovered from mm-hmm. the uh torture pretty quick, and I have to say they might not be as old as I first surmised. Like I they all looked uh or they were sort of portrayed as more frail and then now they're 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 sprinting along there. I wish I could find their names somewhere. I've like I've gone through most of the extended cast, mm-hmm. and uh, most of the extended cast all seem like they're in their middle twenties in nineteen eighty two. So, but I haven't been able to find the names of this council of elders, and they're they're fantastic. They're really they yeah. really they really picked a great group of uh, of older actors here. So, like shout out to the eleven or twelve older actors here playing guardian peers of Dumont because they're awesome. I just wish I could credit them so they grumble and hubbub and make noises of general agreement as we see them walking down the ramp outside the mcp on the mesa and now we get a shot of the mcp's housing as it starts to spin really fast all the panels on the side all flange outward from the top splaying their bottoms out in a fan leaving the bits spinning in place there's still panels inside surrounding the mcp program and then we see a couple of the guardian programs stepping carefully off the bottom of the ramp and they're still really close to like the dist- <laughs> the about to be exploded MCP housing I'm like you guys walk quicker we get a we get a, a aerial shot of the MCP housing again from uh, Yori's viewpoint as the inner panels flange out from the bottom splaying their tops out on a fan and then the circles on the top around the beams start to rise I think these are like the real sort of collars or choke points on the information but the whole structure is spreading out losing cohesion uh, it's that famous poem, the center cannot hold. Uh, the sound is increasing and all the electronic oscillations are rising in frequency. And then we get a sh- another shot of Cindy Morgan squinting at the light in fear of the explosion to come, but she can't look away. And I suppose she's probably still keeping an eye out for Tron. And uh, this is another example of like, geez, those costumes are tight. She's got a really, <laughs> really, the, the belt on her is like just, that's a, a little tiny waist and no, this must have been it must have been either comfortable in some ways but uncomfortable in other ways to film this movie but then uh we get the big death star explosion money shot all the pieces mm-hmm. start to glow white and come together for the negative beam like a star collapsing in its own gravity for a second and they come back for just a little bit in their original configuration and then explode outwards spinning randomly we get this wide shot of the mesa with all the pieces flying apart circles like washers or tires spinning haphazardly, yeah. the yeah. sky turning orange. And uh, with the, with today's computers, this could be done pretty simply. But I remember, like for this for this movie, each piece of debris here needed to be animated separately. So that must have taken quite a while to do. Yeah, and then and and tracking the the paths that they follow, so it looks yeah. like a natural explosion. 
Yeah, all that. The again, yeah, again, very something we can do very simply with computers today. But yeah, but the, the, they just blew up the computer. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I do like. There's a little bit of a fake out, and I fall for it. I've seen the movie dozens of times, and every time I kind of fall for it. It looks like it's all going to come together, just possibly reconfigured. Yeah, that that the p- pieces of this tower will come together at the very end, and then suddenly it's just nope. Yeah, yeah, it's it like a last everywhere. a last gasp almost of like. Trying to get it, trying to get it, trying to get it. Okay, I got it. Nope. No, I don't. <laughs> like, I got like it. I got thing. it. I don't got it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I got it. <laughs> I don't got it. I got it. Uh, let's see. So the sky reverts to black in the aftermath. Uh, goes from orange back to black. And now we see now we see these beautiful series, this beautiful montage of the world responding to this climactic death. All the uh, all the red spikes radiating out from the MCP get a blue pulse traveling down their lengths, turning them all blue. And then the, the calming Wendy Carlos theme kicks in, telling us that all is well. And uh, we get a shot of the red beam down the valley that the solar sailor came through as it turns blue, lighting all the edges of the valley, brilliant oranges and reds and gradients of all those colors sparkling. It's really quite nice. Although I think that mm-hmm. that beam was yellow when they wrote it on the solar sailor but i mean whatever yes it doesn't yeah. matter we get a shot of a blue beam lancing between the structures in the ocean as they all light up purple and pink developing red halos i mean the windows in their sides turn on so i'm like windows so those are like apartments are those people that live there office buildings you can i'm really i'm focused on those uh those those buildings in the ocean we talked a lot about them when they came up before i'm like who who lives there are these fishermen are they <laughs> Are they, they generating energy from the waves? Is this what are these people? What's going on in this in the game sea on the <laughs> yeah, coast of the yeah. game sea? You know, uh, we get a what shot. What sort of programs live here? Yeah, right. And uh, we get a shot of rolling hills or dunes in a desert with topographical curves on them and a handful of massive flowing striped spears, uh, spheres. Sorry, and the the blue beam travels between them, lighting all the curves up, bright pink with glowing highlights. It's wonderful. It's a great series of shots. I love it. Yeah. Well, I just think of what, like, what this movie could have looked like, or what it should have looked like, because they've been traveling in a world that's pretty dark. Yeah. And there's, you know, there there is some light. We we can see some things. There's some highlights, but it's nothing compared to, and and you know, we didn't. I didn't know. Like, this is our first foray. Thinking, okay, this is what the inside of a computer looks like. Yeah. And now we see. Well, no. It's so much more colorful. It's so much more varied, mm-hmm. or at least it, you know it was supposed to be. But it was all under the control of the MCP. Yeah, very colorful. If we, if we yeah, yeah, if we go back to all those places that we visited with with Tron and Flynn, how different they must look now. Yeah, like a lot of the backgrounds in the scenes where they're sort of sneaking around trying to get to Dumont mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. All the backgrounds are kind of janky. They're a little, uh, mm-hmm. they look like sort of close-up, you know, electron microscopes of uh, of, of circuit boards and, and and stuff like that. They're all like, and uh, but they're they're supposed to be corrupted. Like the reason mm-hmm. why they don't look great is because they're supposed to be not not corrupted, but working on very 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 base power. Like the MCP has choked down the power to that entire sector of the city. Right. So, so every, uh, yeah, it's like you're saying every place they've been now looks different and vibrant and the way it's supposed to be. I'm curious about that little, uh, red light district that, uh, Flynn 
stumbles through when he comes out of the uh when he comes out of the recognizer is that what's that going to do with the with this pulse of power reverting it to the way it was is it going to become even more of a party place you know <laughs> or is it going to go back to the sort of uh you know is it has has it become seedy as a result of the mcp taking power away from it or uh, was it always a, a pleasure hub in that in that world i'm kind of curious about that now i just that whole that one shot there's so many so many one shots in this movie where you're like what is that about mm-hmm. <laughs> what I, you know what's that i had a friend on who was talking about there should be a book called the cryptonomatron which has all the sort of <laughs> appendixes and or appendices of all these different like here's the questions that you all the questions that this movie raises you could answer get answered in the cryptonomatron and that's one of them for sure yeah, well, because there's so much of what it it could be. Yeah, and in terms of you know, is this, um, I guess you know how accurate is the film, and it it could yeah. be very because there's when you get into computer, there's so many layers of abstraction. Um, sure. Particularly if we're talking about programs, there's you know kind of the almost human language. Uh, modern day computer programs and then there's wiggy um, WYSIWYG, yeah gui utilities where you can just do things visually without any um, without typing any actual code and then that gets um then there's you know machine code and assembly code and, yeah. and the bytes and there's so many different layers of abstraction between our world and what computers are doing with zeros and ones that depending on what layer where you stop in in those different layers which layer you're on yeah will affect kind of what things look like so um so it could look like this yeah or or, you know there's certainly a lot of different meanings that these things could be yeah it's almost like you know reality itself going down to like the microscopic and then the atomic and then the subatomic or Mm -hmm. whatever like you've got all these layers that you can represent or even like our our layer here compared to like a universal layer or whatever like yeah, there's a lot of um... yeah, yeah. If, if, if yeah, if you thought if you were you know if we were making a movie, then you're going to portray life on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could deal with it at you know the the macroscopic multicellular level of like people, or you could have our organs. You could have the mitochondria yeah. inside our cells. Yeah, um, that are all all part of life and all true. But you're gonna they're they're very different worlds. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they might not operate on an emotional level, but they operate on a on a on a stimulus level. And I, I that's mm-hmm. that's the sort of interesting thing about being inside the computer is I just love this 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 visualization of it, right? And, and yeah. also in legacy and and uh, I just I, and in the TV show I want more of it. I just want more Tron. The the thing I'm, the conclusion I'm coming to throughout this entire movie by minute experience is that I just want more. I want more Tron, which is good. Yeah, well, and you're, you're helping to, to bring Tron out because one thing, so I obviously a longtime fan of this movie. I saw the Tron um, legacy. I, I did not know about the TV show. Yeah. I only knew about the, the films. And so that's one of the things I learned about through, through the podcast. And I've started oh, watching. Cool. And it's, of course, now it's, oh, there's only one season. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's only yeah. one season and then it and then it uh i think something else happened like i know that tron 3 kind of got its hopes dashed by the failure of tomorrowland and there was something similar that happened with uh tron uprising i think disney xd itself wasn't doing that great and then they're in the middle of transitioning over to disney plus 
or in the infant stages mm-hmm. of getting over to Disney Plus, and so like it didn't turn out to be the flagship program that they wanted it to be. And it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have made it a launch title, you know, but I don't know. So it's kind of, it's, it's marketing. So there's, there's, there, there is Tron out there for people that don't know about the, you know, the TV show or the sequel. Yeah. There's, there's more Tron. There's more Tron to get into. Uh, so we got a shot. We never know. We get a shot of Tron looking up and beaming and you can, you can see the volcanic chasms on the Mesa behind him are glowing blue now and not red. Mm -hmm. Uh, we get a shot of Yori looking down and smiling at him. Very happy to see him alive because, you know, she was like, yeah, oh my God, everything exploded. Uh, oh, he's alive. And we cut to a, well, yeah, cause he kind of, he just disappeared. Uh, uh, Yori and, and Flynn got separated. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, right yeah. When the um, when the cruiser hit their their sail, yeah, Tron ended up falling to his death. Apparently, so they were both uh, they were both pretty put out by that. But it turns out he they're, was just they were pretty bummed on that. Pretty but bummed. It turns out. But then he was Spider Manning to the side of the to the side of Sark's cruiser, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he's uh, he's all he's all he's still there. Uh, so yeah, we cut to a really brief shot at the end of the minute of Yuri drifting down from the bridge into Tron's arms, and it's kind of one of the only wait what scenes here because the last we saw of the cruiser, it was very high in the sky and heading away from the MCP. So mm-hmm. to have it suddenly lowering through the ground and delivering Yuri into Tron's arms is uh, surprising. Like I believe in her ability to pilot it down, and I'm happy they're reunited. But it was still like that's not where we left her. She wasn't heading down towards uh, towards Tron, but I mean, it's not a it's not a big deal. It's just kind of like, oh, oh, okay, well, all right, who cares? Okay, yeah, it's it's one of those things where the filmmaker decides we don't need we don't need five minutes at the end of this film of her just bringing this large ship around. <laughs> they kind of yeah, cut yeah. that part out for her. yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we just have to understand. Yes, she she stopped the ship flying away. She turned it around. She saw Tron, yeah, um, down in the plains and decided to bring it down. Yeah, and there's some part of the ship that's solid enough for her to stand on that she, but that she can land and and she can jump into his arms. That sort of brings us up to uh, somewhat around near the end of minute 88. I like to go um, a little bit of the differences between the screenplay and the novel here. And Mm -hmm. uh, in the novel, it's pretty much the same, except there's some, you know, vivid descriptions of the destruction that sound a lot better than what's in the film. Like, detonation after detonation blossoming across the surface of the mcp and a final sunburst climbing into the night sky and stuff like that where they did they did what they could do at the time and uh so that's one of the cool things about novelizations is you can really sort of jazz up the explosions like that and just picture it in your mind's eye there's also there's there's also a note about how after all the domains are revivified and returned to life it says the sky was no longer blocked off by the mcp and now the stars and nebula and comets and moons could be seen again. <laughs> right? Which is like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are those? Are those like other systems? Like, is that calculators and intranets and the Pentagon and whatever else? Like, that's that's massive. Like, that's huge. I can see why they cut it because that's a major thing to just drop into the final montage. <laughs> but I also, yeah. but I also kind of love it. Like I'm just like, oh yeah, sure, I'd love to see that. Because this, well, I, I know, guess it makes sense because we see, we see the I/O towers that the the input and output are these beams of light. They're either shooting up into the sky or coming down. I'm yeah. not sure if there's a directionality to them, but you've got the I/O towers, so that would make sense that. 
if you see a, a star in their sky, well, that's a that's a potential interface. That's a, yeah. If you, you know, if you sh- if you shot a beam of energy or light into one of the stars in the sky, you could make a connection and have inputs and outputs. Yeah. So yeah, the nebula and the constellations are other systems you can interface with. Other ports. Sure. Yeah, which is a really cool idea because in the because in that final shot you can see. Some of the most of the beams are pointing straight up, but a bunch of them are pointing off at forty-five degree angles, and mm-hmm. you know, in other places. So they're all going to a bunch of different places. So, yeah, that'd be pretty. Uh, that'd be pretty cool if you could just sort of, if you if you could build if you could build an I/O tower, and then turn it on, and then just kind of like, you know, like an artillery gun, like sort of crank the angle <laughs> up and down until you've got a star in your sights, and then you can talk to that star. That would be really, really cool. All right. Well, that's kind of that. You, I think you're you're, you're kind of talking about uh, maybe like port scanning. Yeah, sure. In terms of you just shoot your your shoot your information up into the sky, kind of like tracer bullets. Yeah. And you kind of move it around till you hit you hit your mark. It's kind of like just scanning a system for an open port, and when you find one that's listening, then you can start talking to it. Yeah. 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 That's super cool. So this is all very technical. They were very good in 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 putting this film together. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Very much so. Very much so. I mean, they still kind of took some sort of like naming a character Ram when he's really got not much to do with Ram, <laughs> you know. But the sort of the metaphor, yeah. the metaphor up and down the layers, uh, really holds up in a, in a lot of the in most of the instances. Yeah. But this, yeah. Uh, the screenplay is pretty much the same as the film and the novel, just more flowery language and a, pas- a passing mention of stars, but it's pretty much just the, uh, the MCP blowing up real good in the, in the big finale. <laughs> he blowed up real good. But real good, real good. But uh, So that takes us up to the end of uh, Minute 88. Do you want to tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of you? Sure, if you want to hear more from me. Um... I uh, mentioned at the beginning. Uh, so Spinal Tap Minute is at SpinalTapMinute.com. We've got the Groundhog Minute at GroundhogMinute.com. And uh, all my all my podcasts, my hosting stuff, my guest hosting, my guesting, co-hosting, everything. Uh, my main site is CatAndSean.org. Uh, Cat is C-A-T and Sean, S-E-A-N, CatAndSean.org. And that links to... Yeah, like I said, my, my podcast hosting, my guesting, if you go there, if you give me a couple of days after after you listen to this, um, there'll be a link to this as well as all of my other uh, podcasting stuff. So yeah, catandshawn.org if you um, if you feel you need more of me. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, go on over to tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. Um, then you can find this podcast in all your in all your most most of your reputable podcast catchers and places. Uh, shout out to pond5.com for the opening and closing music and special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to movies Star Wars Minute. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. It probably is because it's a long list at this point, but if it isn't then uh, consider firing one up yourself because it's a it's a wonderful community to be a part of, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Do you want to try a little uh, end of line on three? Absolutely. All right. One, two, three. End of line. <laughs>